You must know the times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities. Global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You Must Know the Times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Praise the Lord out there in every podcast land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods with you one more time with the Revelation Revelation podcast. I thank God for all of you tuning in. Glory to God. It is December 20th. 2020 and I tell you we are closing fast in on the end of this very very challenging year I tell you this time last year when we were praying in the new year none of us could have come close to imagining the cliff the world was headed for glory to God with the COVID-19 pandemic here in the United States over 300,000 people died dead from this virus and we have millions upon millions of people here in the United States infected we have more uh, deaths and more infections than anybody else in the world I think that's very very interesting uh, how something like that could happen in supposedly a very highly advanced uh, technologically advanced uh, a nation uh, such as ours with all of the infrastructure and all of that come to find out we aren't as all together as we thought we were and glory to God what is God saying in this hour to this great nation to all of the political political divide and the upheaval and all of that I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen we are being prepared for some darker days to come in the United States not necessarily saying this year not saying that it's gonna uh, 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 happen it's gonna be another pandemic there will be other things that I believe that will, are coming on this world according to Bible prophecy and uh, the uh, Mount Olivet discourse that Jesus talks about these things but tonight's um podcast is going to be uh, titled the politics of the lie the great evangelical uh, compromise you are not gonna want to miss this next exciting episode of the revelation revolution
Praise the Lord again, everyone. It's so good again to be with you. Uh, I tell you, uh, it is just a honor, uh, glory to God, to uh, have uh, listeners out there, glory to God, and that uh, have been supporting this podcast. And uh, we just want to give a shout out to all of those of you uh, that have been uh, supporting us down through the years. We've been on the air since uh, 2018, and so we're going into our, our third year. And uh, uh, right now, uh, our listens and downloads are 3,706. And so we are definitely uh, moving forward. Uh, there are people that are listening all over the country and in the parts of the world. Uh, and I would have never imagined uh, God giving us such a great platform uh, to talk to so many of you in Jesus' name. But we count it an honor in the name of Jesus. So one of the two, before we get into our lesson, I would like to talk to you about my two latest, my latest two books. Books. Uh, glory to God. I released two simultaneously, and uh, uh, that was a daunting task, of course, uh, to get that done, but we were able to do it. Uh, the first book is called You Must Know the Times. You Must Know the Times. 20, okay, answers to 25 essential questions on end time prophecy. You must know the times answers to 25 essential questions on end time prophecy and uh, what I want to do at this time is I want to play the uh, promotional uh, clip for you and then I'm going we're going to talk about uh, the other book as well and tell you where you can get uh, copies you must know the times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities. Global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You must know the times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes and Noble, or wherever books are sold. You wow, doesn't that sound exciting? I tell you, you must know the times. Uh, glory to God. And I just want to share with you... Um, the just the table of contents of some of the things that we cover in this book and I mean this book is rich uh, it's not that many pages it's only like 130 pages it's a quick read but it's a good read and this book is designed for anyone who doesn't uh, know a lot about Bible prophecy and the various subjects that fall under the subject of eschatology you could take this book and go through and be well versed after you read it because these are the uh, things that we cover we cover the signs of the times we ask the question is what is eschatology 
and we uh, the next question we ask are these really the last days what is the day of the Lord what did Jesus say about the last days? You know, did Jesus had the Mount Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24? He talked about the wars and the rumors of wars. He talked about the abomination of desolation. He talked about nation rising against nation and persecution and all of that. He talked about those things. So what did Jesus say about the last days? And then what is the abomination of desolation? Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most pivotal eschatological signs in the Bible is when the Antichrist walks into the rebuilt temple of Jerusalem and then uh, uh, that the Jews build in Jerusalem and sits on the throne of God and calls himself God that is called the abomination of desolation then we talk about what what is Daniel 70 of weeks a lot of people don't know the, uh, uh, the, the God's program to fulfill to bring prophetic revelation so far as eschatology is concerned to a close is done through uh, what is known as biblical weeks or prophetic weeks glory to God what are the 70 weeks of Daniel okay and uh, then we get into who is the Antichrist what is the beast who is the false prophet what is the mark of the beast what is Armageddon what is the rapture of the church what is the second advent of Christ what is the millennium you know you hear so much about the millennium what is that now we didn't say millennials <laughs> we know we know who the millennials are trust me but what is the millennium uh, what are the two resurrections what is the judgment seat of Christ why is the nation of Israel key to biblical prophecy ladies and gentlemen this is one of the most important subjects but unfortunately most Christians don't know about these things because why because their pastors don't teach them and they don't know glory to God but inquiring minds want to know what's the big deal about Israel in the Middle East okay Will there be a temple built in Jerusalem? Who are the two witnesses? Who are the 144,000 that's talked about in Revelation? Israel, the land of unwalled villages. Will Israel ever live in peace and take down their border walls? Uh, what roles do angels play in end time prophecy? And then we talk about the new heaven and the new earth. And what is the thief in the night? We're going to break that down. And last but not least, will the church go through the tribulation and I'm not going to give you a clue as to where I come down on that but glory to God you have to get the book look they're only $15 glory to God uh, they're available on Amazon they're available on Barnes and Noble they're available at Books a Million they're available at uh, Apple iTunes they're book, uh, available at Google Play uh, Kobo they're uh, uh, also available in uh, 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 Barnes and Noble Nook uh, Kindle, uh, uh, you know, so you could get the ebooks and all of that. And we're working to fastly to develop an audiobook uh, for this as well. So that's what the first book is. And then the second book, ladies and gentlemen, uh, glory to God, is Revelation Revolution The Antichrist, Angels, and the Abyss. If anyone has listened any amount of time to my radio broadcast you already know of the importance between the or, or the a dynamic connection between the antichrist angels and the abyss you already know about it glory to god this book is a is a theological proof 
against or 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 uh, uh, evidence biblical evidence proving that major tenets of the pre-trib rapture theory are dead wrong there are parts ladies and gentlemen that the theologians left out now while I was living in Dallas in 1997 uh, 1996 uh, rather while I was living there I wrote to uh, uh, I spoke to on the phone Dr. John Walvoord who was the president of Dallas Theological Seminary which is one of the premier schools that teach dispensationalism and dispensationalism is the, the, uh, the, is the overarching doctrine where pre-trib comes from but, but the bottom line is, is this I challenged them because there were obvious biblical options for who the restrainer of second Thessalonians was so this book is a theological treatise designed to expose the weaknesses and the fallacies of pre-tribulationism a lot of what people think and how it's going to go down ladies and gentlemen is wrong and I confronted the top two pre-trib theologians in the world at the time. Glory to God. Dr. John Walvoord and J. Dwight Pentecost. Now, many of you may not know these names, but these are the ones who are responsible for a lot of what we understand about pre-tribulationism today. They are the ones, they headed it up. So I didn't just go down to Pastor Joe or Pastor Jimmy down the street and argue with them. I went straight to the top and challenged them and guess what ladies and gentlemen they wrote me back and I put their letters in the appendix of this book and they also wrote up wrote on my paper in their own handwriting and made some very surprising statements but you've got to get the book it's, it's in it's in my appendix I include that uh, in there as well ladies and gentlemen you will be a to see what how flimsy the pre-trib rapture theory is when it comes to the, the uh, understanding who the real restrainer of Second Thessalonians is. Now, many of you may not know how important the whole restrainer uh, concept is to pre-trib, and that's because you haven't been taught pre-trib at a technical level. All you know is the my pastor said we're not going to be here. The Book of Revelation doesn't apply to the saints and all of this the word church is not found and the book of revelation show the church is gone all of the talking points that pre-trib gives and all of that ladies and gentlemen this is an eye-opening book ladies and gentlemen you know uh, let me just put it this way there are different there are different theories and number one let me say this all of these are theories. Pre-trib is a theory. Why is it a theory? Because it hasn't happened yet. Mid-trib, post-trib, what I teach, pre-rap. All of them are theories, ladies and gentlemen. But they won't tell you that. They're theories. Why? Because it hasn't happened yet. None of us are exactly sure how all of these things are going to uh, go, uh, go down. But the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, even the things that we do know are going to happen, we don't know how they're going to happen. We don't know when they're going to happen. See, God can tell you he's going to do something, but you don't know how he was going to do it. As I, I use this example all the time. He said that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, in Micah, chapter number five. 
but he didn't say uh, uh, when when and because Micah was actually a contemporary of Isaiah, which was written which was written six hundred years before Christ was even born. But the bottom line is is uh, no one knew that uh, Augustus Caesar would be be declaring a census and a tax requiring everybody to go back to their hometowns uh, where they were born, and that's how Mary and Joseph got got to Bethlehem, and that's where Jesus was born. That's how God fulfilled that. Now nobody knew that God God gives you the what a prophecy, but He doesn't give you the how. So even though we have rapture doctrines, ladies and gentlemen, bottom line is is we can't choreograph God. God cannot be choreographed, nor can He be contained by human theology, and that's the problem. God has given us the Book of Revelation, but why don't people pay attention to it? Because theologians have told us, oh, we don't have to worry about that. Because uh, 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 we're not going to be here. The word church isn't mentioned and the Holy Spirit is going to be taken from the earth. And there is nowhere in the Bible where God says he come back to take the spirit or the Holy Spirit is taken. That is basically conjecture that is based on interpreting Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 of uh, the restrainer there as being the Holy Spirit. And uh, John Nelson Darby, who brought dispensationalism to American shores in the, uh, early in the, in the 18th thirties, glory to God, it spread around and then it really went global after C.I. Schofield uh, 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 published the whole dispensational theology in his very, very popular reference Bible that came out in uh, 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 1907, 1909. And uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, that's how it went around the world. But the bottom line is, I just want to read a little bit uh, from the back of Revelation Revolution. It says, the book of Revelation is the most mysterious and mysterious and controversial book in the Bible. Yet God intended that Christians be enriched by its during message. Even though Revelation has a blessing for those who read it, many believers still avoid this inspired book. Could one reason be that they have been taught that the most that most of Revelation does not apply to Christians? In the first volume of this end time apologetic series, the author challenges the pre-tribulational pre-tribulation rapture position and uncovers how many Christians may not be prepared for prophetic things to come and then I'm going to just skip down it says in this in this powerful book discover how facts concerning the Antichrist angels and the abyss are a game changer for the pre-tribulational rapture position learn what effect it would have if the Holy Spirit is not the restrainer of 2nd Thessalonians see actual correspondence between the author and two of the most esteemed dispensational scholars who made some surprising submission omissions about who the restraining who's really restraining the Antichrist. Will end time events uh, actually turn out as portrayed in the Left Behind series? Now the reason why I say that ladies and John, ladies and gentlemen the in the Left Behind series Christians are just suddenly going to be taken. The world is not going to be expecting it and, the, and those that are, dra- are driving planes, trains and automobiles they're all of a sudden they're just going to disappear planes are going to crash and all of that in other words the world is going to be thrown into chaos because the God takes the a church from the world. Well, they what's that's based on is interpreting Second Thessalonians chapter two when it talks about the restrainer. They interpret that as being the Holy Spirit that is taken from the earth, and when the Holy Spirit as the restrainer 
excuse me, is taken from the earth, then that's when the church goes because the Holy Spirit is resident in the church. So that's how the theory goes. But the Bible doesn't say that. That's how the theory says. It's just that they can't back it up with the Bible. And this is why I challenge the top two uh, pre-trip scholars. Ladies and gentlemen, these two books are extremely important and I want you to get copies of them. Both of them are only $15. If you want me to send you a copy of this book glory to God you can reach out to me but send any email inquiries to my email address and I will send you an autographed copy of this book you can send it to PhD ministries 400 at att.net let me say that again PhD D Ministries for the number 400 at att.net say Dr. Woods I would like a copy of You Must Know the Times so I can tell my friends and family and my loved ones about end time Bible prophecy I can share this with people glory to God and I definitely want to uh, be able to witness to people to why are Christians expecting to be raptured before a certain event before a certain time and before certain things happen and this may not be what's going to happen the way they think now is there going to be a rapture absolutely the rapture is going to happen i'm not saying i'm not saying that but here's the problem ladies and gentlemen here's the problem right here if mid-trib pre-trib i mean mid-trib pre-raft and post-trib were all wrong and pre-trib is right we're all gone before the trouble happens, right? No one's... Hey, listen, we all... Listen, we get out of here earlier. Promise you, when I get to heaven, I'll apologize to everybody. Not a problem if the other positions are wrong and pre-trib is right. But ladies and gentlemen, what if pre-trib is wrong? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. What if it's wrong? It's just a theory made by human beings. It's a theory, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a fact. It's, it's, a, it's a theological, eschatological construct developed by some very smart people. But it's got a gaping hole in it when it comes to who the restrainer is. And, and even though pre-trib is not just based on the restrainer, ladies and gentlemen, I understand that. The restrainer is a foundational tenet that is extremely important to the position because without the Holy Spirit being the one that's taken from the world, there is no basis to say that the Revelation 13 saints that are called saints there are not a part of the church. You have to have, if you don't have the Holy Spirit gone by that time, you can't make a lot of statements that that means there will not be a left behind scenario in the rapture. That's not going to, it's not even going to go down like that because Christians are still going to be here and they're going to be getting persecuted during the time of the Antichrist and they won't be flying planes and being in all these cush jobs because you're going to need the mark of the beast in order to get there just hang on we're going to get into our lesson here shortly and we're going to get into many of these meaty uh, topics but this was for a second uh, I want to run one more time my uh, 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 promo for you must know the times 
You must know the times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities. Global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You Must Know the Times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Once again, if you want that book, ladies and gentlemen, all you have to do, you can go to, like I said, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Barnes & Noble, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Google, you can go to uh, uh, Books a Million. It's the, the book is all over the place. I release it all over the world. You can get it in the United Kingdom, England, wherever you want to get the book. But uh, uh, also, but if you want to get an autographed copy from me, please, please, these are very, very well-written, well-researched books, and uh, I want to get a copy to you, so all you have to do is email me and uh, at PhD Ministries, PhD Ministries, the number 400 at att.net. That is PhD Ministries 400 at att.net. Net, and I will send you an autographed copy of the book. Again, they're fifteen dollars and uh, plus postage, uh, shipping and handling, and all of that. Uh, but we will get copies out to you. We'll uh, autograph them personally to you, and I would love to have you uh, get a copy of this book. Not just, not just for my benefit. I'm telling you, you will benefit from these books because any any amount of uh, time that you spend on my uh, uh, listening to this podcast, uh, you can go back and you could cover all of the lessons where I talk about the restrainer is the Holy Spirit really the restrainer and all of that and you could just look at and listen to all of the content that we have and we just thank God for all of you in Jesus' name now let's get into our lesson let's get into our lesson the politics of lies the politics of lies and uh, the evangelical compromise. In the book of Psalms 101, verse number 7, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. This is what, though, how, what the word of the Lord, how the word of the Lord reads. No one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace. No one who tells lies will remain in my presence. One of the things that God has always said about Satan is that he is a liar and the father of lies. 
So someone that is characteristic of being in the influence, being in the flow, being in concert with Satan is through the use and the art of the lie. It was Satan who lied to Eve in the garden. Hath God said questioning the validity of what God had already spoken. Thou shalt eat of every tree in the garden, but the one in the midst of the garden, which is the tree of knowledge, the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, you should not only should you not eat it, don't even go near it, don't touch it, nothing. Stay away from it. For in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And then here comes Satan. What is slick self saying have God said you surely they say you ain't gonna die he just don't want you to know good from evil he said because in the power in the day you do eat that tree you'll be like God it's a liar Satan is a liar it's what he does it's who he is he's a deceiver when Jesus was in the wilderness Did not Satan come to him with a series of lies? The answer to that question is, of course he did. He came to Jesus on the basis of a lie. So whenever your platform, whenever what you're out to achieve, whatever your goal, whatever your objectives are in life, if they are based on a lie, then you are in league with Satan. Now that's a hard pill to swallow. But it's true. Now, it does say in Romans, let God be true and all men a liar. And we have all lied. Yes, we, we have. But some of us are characteristically deceivers. Characteristically. Deceivers. We wake up lying, go to sleep lying, 
thinking of lies. How we can fool people and trick people and con people and control people. That's why Hitler was so powerful. He ran on the lie. And it's amazing how the Germans fell in love with this man. Because he promised them prosperity. He promised them world domination. He promised them to get evil, to get even with those evil Jews who were the cause of Germany's economic downturn. All lies. How they were less than subhuman. How they, you know, all of the lies that he told. And those lies led in global conquest. And countless unimaginable atro- atro- uh, atrocities against humanity. Lies are a very powerful thing. Very powerful. Satan tempted Jesus in Luke chapter 4 verse number 9 it was three temptations that he gave him but we'll just look at this one verse number 9 he said so he took Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of God throw yourself down from here for it is written he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone and Jesus answered him it is said do not test the Lord your God it's interesting Satan used scripture twisted it because he's a liar and a deceiver you see the Bible is not off limits to Satan Satan uses the Bible all the time Especially when he wants to deceive Christians. When he wants to deceive Christians, he'll hurry up and throw a Bible, throw, throw, use the word church, a scripture, the whole nine yards. Satan leaves no stone unturned when he wants to deceive people. Because he is a liar. Let us turn to a text that I think that 
is very, very appropriate for this conversation. And I want you guys to hang in there with me. I'm going to try not to keep you too long today. We're going to go to Second Chronicles, chapter 18. We're going to read verses 17 through 22. This is dealing with Jehoshaphat, King Ahab, and a prophet by the name of Micaiah. Well, there was a, a, they decided to go to war and King Jehoshaphat was saying, well, uh, Ahab came to him and said, look, why why don't your forces and my forces get together and let's attack our enemy? So basically, Jehoshaphat, who was a righteous king, he said, uh, yeah, but why don't we seek the advice of a prophet before we go off into this campaign? So he said, why don't we call for Micaiah? King Ahab didn't more like Micaiah. Basically, he said, he, he, he always prophesies bad to me. He said, I don't, I don't like him. Why do you want to go to him? Well, Micaiah was a true prophet of God. And it's not that so much that <laughs> Micaiah had bad prophecies. Micaiah was telling truth. Ahab was a wicked king. So, you know, people, people who are wicked and people who are liars and deceivers, they don't want nobody that tells the truth around them. They only want to surround themselves with people who will perpetuate a lie. I don't want to hear anything else. So beginning at verse 17, he says, The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? Micaiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this, another suggested that. Finally, a spirit came forth and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means, the Lord asked, I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets. He said, and you, he said, you will succeed in enticing him. And the Lord said, go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of these prophets of yours. And the Lord has decreed disaster for you. Now, let me just give you some backdrop. What had happened was, was this. King Ahab had already sought his prophets. 
So when you go back to First Chronicles and you pick it up, just start at the verse 1, so read uh, chapter 17 and 18, it'll give you all the backdrop. But basically, King Ahab had already consulted his line prophets, and of course, he surrounded himself with people that are lying to him. King Ahab was about, his kingdom was about to come to an end. He was about to die. God was about to take him out and his wife, his lying, deceiving wife, Jezebel, but she died later on. Glory to God. And so Micah, the Micaiah, the prophet said, listen, uh, 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 listen, he said, I saw a vision in heaven. He said, this is, I saw a vision in heaven and the vision that I saw in heaven, I saw God sitting on his throne and all these spirits that were around him. And he said, who will go and, and, and convince Ahab to go out into this battle where he's going to get killed? And he, then they said, well, one spirit said this, one spirit that, and then one spirit stood up and said, look, I'll go down and be a lying spirit and the mouth of the prophets of Ahab so that he would believe a lie so that he would take his butt out to that battlefield and when he do he's going to get killed there but that was the true vision that was the true prophecy of course Ahab wasn't trying to hear that so what he did he was he got his own prophets and of course his own prophets had already been infected not with a coronavirus but with a lying spirit and it was through that lying spirit that Ahab believed a lie and God took him out verse number 22 so now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours and the Lord has decreed disaster for you. So let's go to, let's finish here in Second Chronicles 18. This is a very interesting story because it's taking us somewhere because we are talking about The politics of the lie. The politics of the lie. Verse number 23 it says, Then Zedekiah, the son of uh, Shania, came up and hit Micaiah in the face and demanded, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord leave me speaking to you? Micaiah replied, you will soon see when you go hide yourself in the inner chamber on that day. Then the king of Israel ordered, take Micaiah and return him to Ammon and the governor of that city and to uh, 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 Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says. Put this guy in prison and feed him only bread and water until I come back safely. But Micaiah said, if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken to me. Then he said, listen, all you people. See a, see, a real prophet of God don't care. You can't threaten a real prophet of God. But Micaiah said, you do what you want to do. He said, but if, you, if Ahab come back here alive, you know I haven't heard from God. 
Long story short, what happened? They get out in the battlefield. Uh, King Ahab thought he was going to outsmart God. So he put on a disguise. So nobody knew who he was. And the Bible said a archer shot an arrow. Just, just shot an arrow. And the arrow caught Ahab between the creases of his armor. He wasn't aiming for it. And the guy just shot it. You know, it's a battle. The guy just shot an arrow. The arrow caught him right in the creases of his armor armor and mortally wounded him Ahab died that day just as the prophecy of God but the problem is with Ahab he wanted to surround himself of people who were lying to him and not telling him the truth and that's what led to his destruction because it's the politics of the lie that destroys people. And this is why God said in his word when I opened up this lesson Psalm 101 and 7 No one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace and no one who tells lies will remain in my presence. Listen, let's go to the New Testament now. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11. This is what God says. For this reason God sends them powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Now, what is this talking about? It's talking about Antichrist. It's talking about Antichrist after he gets revealed and he's doing his things with all these lying signs and wonders and all that stuff that they're going to be doing. But, it's, but, but the Bible says it's God that turns people over to strong delusion so that they would believe a lot, just like what happened with Ahab. All those spirits were around God. God said, who's going to go down and take care of this business? Basically, one spirit stood up and said, uh, 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 I'll go down. But how I'll do it is I'll go down and be a lying spirit in the mouths of Ahab's prophets. So the people around Ahab are going to lie to him. But they're not going to know they're lying. They could be under the deceit. Well, maybe they did know they were lying. But bottom line is they're going to deceive him. He's going to be caused to do the wrong things and go the wrong direction because there are people surrounded by him who are going to lie to him. See, because people who are liars do not like people around them to tell them the truth, especially about the things that they are doing. It's only certain truths a liar want to hear. Never the truth about themselves, about their agenda, about what they're doing. If we look at, let's go to Daniel chapter number 8. Now Daniel chapter number 825. Historically, many theologians believe we're talking about Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes IV who was the person who did the first abomination of desolation that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24 verse 15 
when he went in in uh, 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 167 BC and sacrificed a pig on the altar of the Jews in the Jewish temple, erected a statue of, of, of Zeus in the most holy place, forbade the Jews to uh, 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 read the Torah or practice any of their religious right. He took all of that away. Their sacrifices, all that, he took it away. But this is what this, and so, and so Antiochus Epiphanes becomes a type of Antichrist. He's a type of Antichrist. So this is why the Bible gives us his record. Listen to what it says about him in Daniel 8.25, reading from the NIV. He will cause deceit to prosper. And he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and he will take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. Now, again, this is talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, who is a type of Antichrist. The point here that I'm making, I'm extrapolating just a little from this verse. And I want to bring this point out. He will cause deceit to prosper. In other words, his modus operandi is to use politically the power of deceit or the power of the lie. This is an attribute of Antichrist. Glory to God. Let's, let's read it. The same verse at Daniel 8.25. Let's read it from the NASB. It says, And through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. So listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. He will cause deceit. He will cause deceptiveness. He will cause lies to succeed by his influence. Influence, ladies and gentlemen, D D Dennis Woods' name is not on this book. <laughs> this is Daniel the prophet talking about a guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, who is a type of Antichrist who will later do the same things that Antichrist is going to do in the future, who did historically the same things that Antichrist is going to do in the future. The NASB, it says, and through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed. He will cause lies. Deceit means lies. He will cause lies to succeed by his influence. That's what the Bible says. Let's read it from the Holman, uh, uh, the, the Christian Standard Bible. He will cause deceit to prosper through his cunning and by his influence. And in his own mind, he will make himself great. So this is a self-centered, self-aggrandizing person. Who uses lies. Who is a master liar. This is what 
the New American Commentary says about uh, verse 25. Antiochus would be a shrewd individual who would employ deceit to achieve his goals. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Do we see this today in President Trump? Listen, listen to this. Antiochus would be a shrewd individual who would employ deceit to achieve his goals. This Syrian king was known for his deceptive tactics. The NIV also omits the phrase by or in in his hand which follows. He will cause deceit to prosper. Either Antiochus would use his power or influence to accomplish his deceitful goals or more likely the sense that is deceit would prosper during Antiochus's rule his hand representing his power or reign whereas truth would be thrown to the ground deceit would be exalted under his rule now I want you to listen to that now those are not the words of Dennis Woods they're telling you about a politician and 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 that that hadn't come yet in Daniel's day. He he was still future of Daniel's days. He's historic to us. But Antiochus Epiphanes, listen to what you just did. You just hear that? That's not me. That's the New American Commentary that said that. Let me read that last part again. Whereas truth would be thrown to the ground deceit would be exalted under his rule. Ladies and gentlemen, have we not just had four years of a man who is a straight out and pathological liar, but he uses lies very effectively. uses lies before the election happened ladies and gentlemen now now Donald Trump had a record of being a liar being loose fast and loose with the truth <laughs> everybody knows that but people made excuses for him why because he was giving them what they want he's putting those he's putting those conservative Supreme Court justices that's going to overturn Roe versus Wade and that's going to stop all these people from coming in over the border it's going to put up a wall and make Mexico pay for it remember that part oh how we forgot yeah make Mexico pay for it blah 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 blah, blah. you know who's paying for that taxpayers he knew Mexico wasn't going to pay for that. As a matter of fact, he was in a, a meeting with the Mexican king, with the Mexican president, and they, he actually tried to tell the Mexican say, well, would you just say you're going to pay for it? <laughs> so I won't look crazy. Yeah, he was lying all the time, and he knew he was. But listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the, the real issue here. President Trump, before the election came, he knew that because of COVID-19, that there would be many people that would use mail-in ballots. He knew 
that Democrats and Democratic states and cities were heavy on social distancing and wearing masks. He knew that. You know, he mocked wearing masks for the longest. Good thing we have television recordings and all of that. We can go back and play back all this stuff he said. But the problem is what he did he gave himself a backdoor escape clause just in case he loses the election because he knew it was a good possibility he would lose. He knew he knew through all of his chicanery and slickster and lying and deceit and all the stuff he was doing and talking bad about people saying terrible things stoking racism and division he knew it was a good chance he would lose. So what he did he's put the narrative out there that the election would be corrupt that the election would be stolen that they were going to cheat on the mail-in ballots and he would put all of these narratives out there he filled the airwaves with all of these falsities so in the event of him losing he would have a fighting chance to at least try to go to court with the arguments that the election was fraudulent. So he set this thing up in the beginning. Why? Because he's a deceitful person. He makes lies. That's what he does. He's always been a liar. That's not new. But evangelicals got in the bed with this man because there were things that he promised he would do for them. So like I said in another podcast, they held their nose while they shook their heads in approval of Donald Trump because they know, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that all evangelicals are bad, racist, white people. That's not true because there's black evangelicals. You never even hear black evangelicals. <laughs> Tony Evans is one of them. There's a whole bunch of them that's, that's out there. But you never always hear about white evangelicals. Evangelicals got black folk too. But the bottom line is, it's not so much that just all of them are racist haters. It's not so much of that. A lot of them know Donald Trump was no good. But would make it so bad they backed him anyway even though they knew what they were getting but because he placated them with I'll be a friend of Israel I'll give you Supreme Court justices I'll overturn Roe versus Wave you pro-life right I give you that So they backed him. He set the narrative up. And when he lost the popular vote, got killed in electoral college, he unleashed a wave of deceitful lies. And he bombarded the court with numerous frivolous 
lawsuits. That these lawyers knew they wouldn't have a chance in court. You know, when something is massive, as he claimed it was, it shouldn't be hard to prove. You should have plenty of evidence. And states that were Republican flipped Democratic. But that was not an accident, ladies and gentlemen. In Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, those states that Donald Trump lost, do you not know down ballot they still voted Republican? But it was just at the top of the ticket that there were so many people who were tired of Donald Trump. They were just tired of the man. Because he's not a good leader. He has no business being a president of the United States. He's just too ignorant and too don't care about anything else but himself. That's a real indictment. Now, it's an interesting thing that happened during the election. Do you know Ohio was, was turning towards Biden for the first part, of, a big part of the election? Do you know why it was blue at first? Because in Ohio, they count the mail-in ballots first. That's what happened. So Ohio looked like it was going to go for Biden. Why? Because the mail-in ballots got counted first. But when the people who went to the polls and all the Republicans that voted, then those numbers came and it overtook. So Biden didn't win Ohio. You didn't see a bunch of Democrats going, oh, how is that possible? He, we were up front, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all these millions of votes come in. No, ladies and gentlemen, what it was, it's a simple explanation. Ohio count mail-in ballots first. The rest of the states didn't. They count those last. Donald Trump knew in Democratic areas, which had a lot of minority votes that social distancing wearing masks and taking advantage of or being safe with COVID-19 there would be many many mail-in ballots I voted by mail and I'm going to tell you something I think it's a great way to vote you know why because after they mail your ballot to you and it's sitting there at your home and you've got a few weeks, then you can look at all the candidates, look up each one of them, all the judges and all of that, all of that. And you can take your time and vote. You don't even have to vote on everybody in the same day. You can look up a couple of people, take your time. And by the time you get to through uh, with, about voting for everyone, you have a well informed. I actually think mail-in ballots are great. The only only thing I don't like about it is taking it to the post office where you have a chance of the post office losing one of your ballots or your ballot. 
Now you take a chance there. If you got a drop-off box where you could take it or you could take it down to the Secretary of State. And then another thing. Each one of those states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, uh, and uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, all of those states, Georgia, that were read before, these are states that normally vote heavy Republican, got Republican, uh, well, well, I know like Georgia has a Republican governor, a Republican uh, Secretary of State. These people stood up and told the truth that there was no massive fraud. Not one federal court, district appellate, believed the lie. See, because in court, you have to show proof. And if it was massive fraud, then why in the world would not one federal judge, many who Donald Trump appointed himself, and why would the Supreme Court twice knock that theory down and say, you, hey, you can't come here and try to bring anything to us? And this is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen, of what is happening in our nation. Just like the Antichrist, just like Antiochus Epiphanes, the politics of the lie expose the compromise of the evangelicals expose you you are identified by the person you have backed politically mm. now we have another issue going this other issue is today. In the last couple of days, it has been brought to the forefront of how Russia has launched a massive data breach in all departments of our government, many of the Fortune 500 companies through malware given through uploads and I forget the company's name who has all these contracts but it is a massive data breach and intrusion brought on by Russia Senator Mitt Romney Marco Rubio, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, a great supporter of Donald Trump, has all come out and said, this is Russia. Now, I'm going to play a clip for you. I want you to listen to it. Out of step with the Secretary of State, but then apparently others in the White House who wanted to corroborate that it's Russia who's behind this kind of cyber attack. 
people were standing by the rest of the U.S. government. Uh, that is what we are seeing here, because over the last several days, we have watched as U.S. government agencies have come closer and closer and closer to pointing the finger here at Russia for this significant uh, cyber attack on U.S. government infrastructure, perhaps one of the most significant uh, in several years. And yet what we see here from the president is not only attempting to downplay the possibility that Russia was behind this, but also downplaying the significance of this uh, cyber hack, uh, again, for reasons that we can only uh, uh, guess here. Uh, but uh, it is clear uh, that the president's views here seem to have impacted official U.S. government action, uh, pointing to Russia as the culprit of this attack. My colleague Kevin Liptak is hearing from several people familiar with the plans that the White House had actually planned to release a statement yesterday afternoon uh, directly uh, blaming Russia for the re recent massive cyber attack on U.S. government agencies. Uh, that statement, though, was uh, pulled back. It's not. It wasn't clear to officials at the time why that was happening. But then you see this morning the president coming out on Twitter suggesting that China may have been involved, downplaying the possibility of Russia's involvement, and downplaying, of course, the severity of the attack. So you can kind of put two and two together here. But before that happened, what you already saw was the U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, just yesterday in a radio interview making very clear that Russia was behind us. There was a, a significant effort to use a, a piece of third-party software to uh, essentially embed uh, code inside of U.S. government systems and the now peer systems of private companies and companies and governments across the world as well. This was a, a very significant effort, uh, and I, I think it's the case that now we can say pretty clearly that it was the Russians that engaged in this activity. Now, the FBI, the uh, Director of National Intelligence and the Office of uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure uh, Security Agency, uh, they already called this a significant and ongoing cyber campaign, uh, despite the president uh, downplaying this now. And now the question is, what exactly will be the official statement from the White House on this cyber attack? And specifically, as it relates to assigning blame, uh, officials say that that is not clear at this point how they can reconcile the statement from the president versus the prevailing view inside the government right now which is making very clear that this was not only a significant attack, but that Russia was behind it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you heard Mike Pompeo in his own words in a radio interview saying clearly that this is the work of the Russians. Marco Rubio, many Republican senators, everybody is saying that. The heads of all of the intelligence agencies, they are saying it. But for some reason, Donald Trump never goes against Russia. He's never said anything bad about Putin. He Every time something comes up that has something to do with Russia, he downplays it, he pivots, he denies it, he says it's fake news. Nothing that happens where Russia is involved, ladies and gentlemen. Will this man stand up to Putin? The question is why? Why? Why is this man so beholden to Vladimir Putin? Now, it's very interesting that um, the person that Trump pardoned, uh, General Michael Flynn, floated the idea, now listen to this, of initiating 
martial law in the swing states and having the military hold another election in the swing states. Not, 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 not the states that the Republicans won, only in the states where the Democrats won, where a lot of, particularly in areas where African Americans voted by mail. So what they're saying is, is all the black folks cheated. That's what they're saying, ladies and gentlemen. Which, which, which is really racist. But here you have Michael Flynn now talking in his ear. And of course he would do it because Trump pardoned him. But now this man is talking about using the military. There were other Republicans even saying, let's break or succeed from the country. The same stuff that they were talking in the Civil War. <laughs> Look how insane this has gotten. This is insanity. And Russia is having a field day watching democracy crumble. Trump clearly downplays and refuses to admonish Russia or speak out against Putin in any way. I remember even remember when uh, uh, President Trump was running against Clinton. Remember, he said it during the campaign. Russia, if you're listening, get a hold of those emails and release them. And guess what happened? They released them through WikiLeaks. He was talking to Russia, said it right in front of us. This is the man that white evangelicals, southern states, backed this guy. And many of them are just waking up and saying enough is enough. We made a mistake with this guy. But if you go back to what the Bible says, God don't like liars. Trump, like Antiochus Epiphanes of the past and the Antichrist in the future, will be the master at causing lies to be successful. And ladies and gentlemen, Trump did it with the coronavirus. Now check this out. In the middle of one of the most deadliest pandemics we have seen since 1918 in this country, Trump convinced millions of people that it wasn't nothing. He's got millions of people who won't wear a mask. Telling people it's going to go away. It's gonna, when it gets warm, it's going to disappear. Y'all know I, I don't have time to go through all of this stuff. And people believe him. Why do they believe this man? Because it's, because it's characteristic, the same type of characteristics that we will see in the Antichrist. He will be a master at using lies to control and deceive the masses for political gain and control. Now, 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am a Vietnam era vet. Never went to Vietnam, but I joined in 1974. Joined the Navy. I quickly learned, once I was in the military, who America's number one enemy was. Wasn't Iran. Wasn't Syria. It wasn't Iraq. Wasn't even the Chinese. You know who our number one enemy on planet Earth is? Russia. Every ship, every nuclear missile, every submarine, every, almost all of our military armament, not armament, weaponry, even outer space military hardware was all designed to counter Russia. Ladies and gentlemen, I was in the service. I know. I know what my training was. I was in communications. I know what we had to learn about Russia. Russia has been our number one enemy on the planet for decades. That's not new. If they would build one, we would build one. You know the reason why we went to outer space? Because the Russians with Sputnik beat us up there. And Kennedy's response was, well, if they went to outer space, well, we're going to put a man on the moon. We were trying to run. We were one-upping the Russians. Who went to outer space before we did? They have been our number one enemy. They have been the ones who around the globe try to undo everything America has ever done by using their own military power, their own wealth, their own influence to do anything they can to, do, to, to counter democracy. It's been their agenda for decades. This is not new. So, how does a deceiver do it and still placate millions of people, millions of evangelicals? He plays games. You know one of the games he plays with the evangelicals? He backs Israel. That's right. Do you not know the Antichrist will be a friend to Israel? He's the one that's going to make the peace deal. Did you know it's the Antichrist that the ones that is the one who backs the peace deal with many? He's a friend to Israel in the beginning. So all Donald Trump had to do to keep the evangelicals on his side while he did all of this other lying, deceitful stuff to keep them evangelicals. Oh, we're going to move our embassy. Let me tell you something. The embassy moving from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem has been on the table since 1994 under the Clinton administration. But no one has done it because they knew it would be disruptive to the peace negotiations with the Palestinians. 
And you're not going to have lasting peace in the Middle East until you settle that issue with the Palestinians. So Trump, through the Abraham Accords, tried to work it out, but uh, no, 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 that didn't work. So they went on to move that embassy. The first thing they did, the Palestinians stopped talking to America immediately. That we ain't going to have nothing to do with this. They walked away from the table. So now, what really happened? Nothing really. We moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And then the United States declared Jerusalem as their capital. Now, mind you, Israel has not changed their capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I mean, it's always been a spiritual head to them, but their capital is still in Tel Aviv. They haven't, they haven't moved their central government, government, governmental body from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, if they did it, that's more monumental than the United States changing real estate and putting a, 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 a seal of the United States on, on, on some uh, property in Jerusalem and is then saying Jerusalem is a seat. But this, this gets the evangelicals giddy. And why does it get them all giddy? Because they're all pre-trib and they think the closer that uh, 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 we get to Israel building their temple, the rapture will happen before then. And so this is why you had the article in Newsweek back in, I think, January, February 2018, where it said that many evangelicals believe that Trump was going to bring about the end of the world. That's how they think. So what's happening is, as he does these little superficial things with Israel, then he, he went over to the Golan Heights and he declared, oh, that, that should be Israel's. And blah, 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 blah. No, he ain't said no truth. These are, these are declarations. Yeah, he, now he did do that. Netanyahu loved it because Trump was doing everything Netanyahu wanted to do, wanted him to do. And another footnote for you guys, Netanyahu and the Kushner family have been friends for years. Even before Trump became in office, Netanyahu used to spend nights at the Kushner's home when he came to the United States. So they've known each other a long time. So now, while Trump is doing all these things to placate, and then he goes and he promotes these judges, and he got conservative judges, and we're going to overturn this, we're going to overturn that, and we're going to get these Supreme Court justices in there. He just knew that, ladies and gentlemen, evangelicals, people, I heard them on the on the, on the internet, on that we're going to win in the Supreme Court. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. He just knew because he put three Supreme Court judges, they were going to do what he said. That's because he has a serious failing and a misunderstanding of what the Supreme Court does. These people are not in your pocket like you're the Godfather. You know that part in the Godfather where they, they were complaining about the Godfather because he had all these judges in his pocket and things like that. This ain't the Godfather, Donald Trump. Once you put these people in, they're in for life. And they know your silly tail is not going to be in office no more than four years or eight years. And then you're going to move around. They'll still be there. Once they're in, they don't have to listen to you. Once they're in, they don't have to do what you want them to do. They're not your employees. 
See, he thought by putting all these people in, it was slant in his favor. That's why he hurried up. I, I can see him doing cartwheels when uh, 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 the Supreme Court Justice uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth Bader uh, died. When she died. I'm, I think I said her name wrong, but y'all know what I'm talking about. When she died, I could see Trump turning backwards cart flips. Saying, yeah, 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 we got another one. We're going to put him in there. And I got it made. So soon as this election goes off, we're going to take it to the Supreme Court. And they're going to do what I want them to do. Because I did them a favor. They're going to do me one. But like Goma Prowl used to say, surprise, surprise, surprise. That ain't what happened. As a matter of fact, some of those federal judges laughed him and his clown of lawyers, Rudy Giuliani being the biggest one, laughed they butt out of court. But the reason why I bring this up is this. While Trump is making overtures to Israel, at the same time, he's beholden to Russia. The very nation that the Bible declares will attack Israel. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And evangelicals that know eschatology, they know this. They know it. They know what Ezekiel 38 and 37 says. They know that Russia is going to come with Persia, who is Iran, Libya, Ethiopia, Ethiopia to Sudan and all of them, Gomer, Turkey, the Eastern nation, Europe's Eastern European nations. A lot of them that are Muslim, Turkey, Iran, they're all going to come and attack Israel, led up by Gog and Magog. So this is why you see Russia behind Syria, Russia behind Iran, Russia behind the key players in the Middle East. They know this. The very man that they're saying is a friend of Israel is a man who is beholden to the Russian Empire, the Russian nation, Putin. Trump does his bidding and will not rebuke and will not do anything against Russia even when somebody like Mike Pompeo his own ardent supporter comes out and says yes this is Russia Donald Trump is trying to deflect because he's trying to protect Putin because well, I don't know if the Russia they have something on him or whatever it is but Everyone knows in Washington that Ru Donald Trump has a soft spot for the Russians. So while he's 
smiling at the evangelicals with Israel on with with his on one side. He's in the he's in the the Russians have them in their back pocket on their side, and this is the very country that's going to attack Israel. So while he's playing to be their friend on one hand, he's in bed with the nation that's gonna attack him. Let's go to Ezekiel 38 verses 1 through 9. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. See, God is against them, these wicked people. And he says, and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against you. Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Listen to what the Bible is saying. God is saying, I am against this nation. I am against this coalition that's going to come. He says, I'm against you. He's smiling at the evangelicals on one end with, the, with these little overtures he does with Israel. And on the other hand, he's, he's beholden to Russia, the, the very nation that God says, I'm against you. Verse number four, he says, I will turn, I will, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed, a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Listen to the nations, Persia, Cush and put. Now that would turn into Persia, Libya, Persia, Ethiopia and Libya. All of them with shields and helmets. Also Gormer, Gomer with all its troops. Togarmuth from the far north with all its troops. And many nations with you. Get ready. Be prepared. You and all the whores gathered about you and take command of them. After many days you will be called to arms. Listen to this ladies and gentlemen, verse number 8, Ezekiel 38, it says, in the future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel which had long been desolate. They have been brought out from the nations and now all of them live safely you and all your troops and many nations with you will go up advancing like a storm and 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 and, and you will be like a cloud covering the land Listen to this, verse number 8. It says, after many days you will be called to arms. And in the future years, so that means it, it wasn't talking about uh, Ezekiel in his day. He's talking about, and, and in the other translations, it says, in the latter years, you will come to a place that, that was brought out of the nations to Israel. So Israel, in this scenario, Israel has already been formed as a nation. When did that happen? In 1948, May 14th, 1948. And notice the nations that are going to be with him. 
Persia, which is Iran. Iran is Israel's sworn enemy, per Iran. Then it also calls for Kush, which is Ethiopia and the Sudan. Sudan is one of the countries that they just made a peace deal with Israel. That's going to change. Put is Libya. Gomer are, are the parts of Turkey and that part of Europe, Eastern Europe. Tagarma is Turkey. Now, listen to what the New Unger's Bible Dictionary says. Now, I want you to get this. Ezekiel 38 and 39, which deal with Gog, the prince of Magog, his land described the actual invasion of Palestine by a great northern confederacy, confederacy ostensibly headed up by Russia. This isn't just me making that up. This is well known who Gog and Magog is. The scene depicts a gigantic outburst of anti-Semitism and a colossal attempt to overrun Palestine. Palestine and annihilate the Jews. Russia and the northern powers have been persecutors of dispersed Israel and it is and, and, and is constant with the as as it is constant with the covenants of promise of Israel, which are yet to be fulfilled. The divine destruction should be precipitated at a climax of the last attempt to destroy the remnant of Israel in Jerusalem and Palestine. The entire prophecy belongs to the day of the Lord scenario, which is yet future. This is eschatology, ladies and gentlemen, and evidently precedes the actual battle of Armageddon by a number of years. The prophetic perspective concerning Gog, however, inc includes the final revolt of nations at the close of the mediatorial messianic kingdom. Now that's not me making that up. Ladies and gentlemen, it is well known that Russia is going to align with the Islamic coalition of nations that are going to attack Israel and the very president that evangelicals that lift up and swear by because he backs Israel is the same man that is being controlled or afraid of or is under the influence of Russia, the very nation that's going to attack Israel. Now that is a contradiction. That is a conflict of interest. But you don't hear any evangelicals talking about Ezekiel 38 when it comes to Donald Trump. They're not going to tell you the truth about that. Why? The man, the nation that attacks Israel, you're in bed with. This is a shame. So while Trump is a friend of Israel, for some reason or another, he is beholden to Russia and Putin and has refused to say anything against Russia. Even Mike Pompeo and all of the lot of Republicans are all saying Russia was behind this. Daniel 9, 825 said, and through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. And he will magnify himself in his heart. 
he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. And John 8.44 it says, talking about Satan, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Daniel 11.36 says, Antichrist will not follow the rules or protocol. He won't follow. He said the king will do whatever he wants. He will exalt and magnify himself. But another interesting thing is, and we'll get ready to go after this. Revelation 13, 11 through 17. Speaking of the false prophet. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he sounded like a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound is healed. So he also performs signs and wonders, even causing fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the front of people. He deceives those who live on earth because of the signs that he is permitted to perform on the behalf of the beast, telling those who live on earth to make an image to the beast who had the sword and wounded, the sword wound and yet lived. He was permitted to give life to the spirit of the image of this beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. What you have to understand about the mark of the beast, ladies and gentlemen, verse number 16, he requires everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on his right hand or his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast's name or the number of his name. Now, why is all of this important? Point number one. The Antichrist is not going to go it alone. He will have the backing of a religious leader. The Antichrist is not going to go it alone, but he has the backing of a religious leader. Now, this religious leader is referred to as the false prophet. He looks like a lamb. Listen to this now, ladies and gentlemen. The Lamb always represents in the scripture Christ. He looks in his presentation, in his delivery, he looks, sounds Christian or Christ like. 
And if he's up high with the Antichrist, which he is, he'll have the same power and authority, then that means he'll have followers in a group behind him. He just won't be a religious leader just that drops out of the sky and nobody knows who he is. No, he's already going to be an influential individual who's got a bunch of people already. Now, some people say this is going to be a pope or something like that. We don't know who it's going to be. We don't know that for sure. It makes sense. In some reasons, it depends on uh, what areas of revelation you go to. But the point I'm making is this. Ladies and gentlemen, this religious figure who's got a satanic message, his satanic message is y'all do what the Antichrist says, you worship him, you bow to him, you get his mark. Now, here's the thing. This religious leader, whoever he is, have a lot of people that follow him. This is who he's going to be talking to when he said, y'all have to worship the beast. Y'all have to do this to the beast. And he's the one who says, you have to worship the image of the beast. And, it's the, and they cause the number to be issued. So, like Donald Trump, and I'm not saying Donald Trump is the Antichrist. He's, he's not even going to be in office. I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. I'm saying... He, all of this through COVID-19, all of these things that are hitting the world, all of these things that are all coming together, this is a dress rehearsal, ladies and gentlemen, for the apocalypse. We are seeing some of the very things that the world is going to witness when the Antichrist arrives. He's going to have a religious group that is behind him. That is the point. Just like Donald Trump has a religious group that is behind him. But this time, when the Antichrist comes, it'll be a specific spokesperson. A person that is high up who will be able to speak to their religious constituents now what we have learned ladies and gentlemen even in the days of the Antichrist you're going to have some people that are going to be rebellious they're not going to do what they're told to do they won't necessarily be believers in God but they're anti-government and I don't care who tells somebody to wear a mask social distance they're not going to do it because they just have rebellious nations. They're not religious. They're not political. They're not nothing. Just that we're not going to do what nobody tells us to do. We're going to stay here. We're going to take a stand anyhow. So the Antichrist will have a religious person who has a religious following. Who will speak lies. Who looks like a lamb. That means the chances are this guy being Islamic or who Hindu, one of these other religions, slim chance of that. This one looks like a lamb. This one looks like a Christian. Be a group of people that are religious that are going to get behind the Antichrist. Why is that? Because 
the Antichrist is going to promise people freedom, prosperity, in a new global economy that will have the most efficient economic system the world has ever known. There'll be no more need for paper money, no more identity theft, no more all of the problems and loopholes and ways our current financial markets can be exploited. All of that will be done away with. The mark of the beast, ladies and gentlemen, or the global economy of the Antichrist will only be able to be accessed by people who worship the beast. So Antichrist is going to give people what they want. He's going to give people what they want. And what are they going to want? They're going to want economic freedom. They're going to want prosperity. They're going to want access to the global economy. And the global economy that the Antichrist is going to give them will be the best and the greatest economic system the world has ever known. The most efficient in everything. Do away with black markets and all this and changing dollars and all of the corruption that happens because you have paper money. All of that will be done away with. You know how close we are to a system like that now? There are whole countries that have already gone cashless. America's just behind. Much of China, much of China's cashless already. Countries in Europe, cashless. It's the global economy that he's going to offer people. Now, why is all of this important? You see, as I speak about in my book, Revelation Revolution, the Antichrist, Angels in the Abyss, we talk about the problems with the pre-trib rapture theory. So I just want you to engage me just here for just a minute. Just for a minute. What if pre-trib is wrong? Think of that. What if it's wrong? What if how pre-trib has God choreographing when he's going to do it and how he's going to do it and when he's going to take the church and all of this stuff? What if it's wrong? Now, I don't just ask the question in my book, Revelation Revolution, the Antichrist Angel in the Abyss. I don't just ask that question. I prove it that the restrainer, they're wrong about the restrainer. What if the church isn't gone? What if the saints that are in Revelation 13 is the church? That means millions of Christians who thought they were going to be gone are not going to be gone. This is what Jesus said is going to happen in those days. I want you to listen to this.
Matthew 24, beginning at verse 9. Listen what it says. We're reading from the NIV. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't write that. He said, because of persecution, people were going to be getting put to death and it was going to cause people to turn away from the faith. Now the faith that Jesus is talking about here is the faith in him as Messiah, as Lord and Savior. Christians are going to abandon the faith once the persecution happens. Paul talked about it in 2 Thessalonians. He talked about the same things, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. Glory to God. Verse number three, Second Thessalonians, verse uh, chapter two, verse number three. He said, "Let no, let no one in any way deceive you, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The apostasy is the defection from the faith. This is exactly what Jesus said. Exactly. So I'm just walking you down a road. What if pre-trib is wrong? People are still going to be here. They're going to be here under a ruler who uses lies and deceit. Who has a religious group behind him headed up by a false prophet. Who's arrogant, self-centered, doesn't care about the rules, anything like that. He only wants what he wants. He says outrageous things. He uses lies. He has perfected the art of the lie. And guess what? The world is going to love the Antichrist. They're going to love him. They're going to support him. They're going to say, who is like the beast? Now, the last piece, ladies and gentlemen, of this puzzle. I know I'm coming up on two hours, but I got to get to this. I want you to hear this for yourself. It's very important. Glory to God. I want you to hear this for yourself. This is an interview. And I played it in my in my last one. But I want to play this again so you can hear it for yourself. And then we're going to use the Bible to dispel one of the most diabolical diabolical lies 
that has been taught recently by evangelical scholars. I want you to listen to this. Hang on. Brushed over is that just before he mentions the unpardonable sin, he says, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven. Hmm. So there really isn't a sin that's unforgivable if you repent. So the real question then we're left with is, is it possible for someone who willfully accepts the mark of the beast to repent? My, my answer to that is, I don't know. Hypothetically, if they did, it would be a forgivable sin. Mm -hmm. There are lots of passages in Scripture that make sin sound unforgivable. You know, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. It says that as well. Mm -hmm. Does that mean if you tell a lie, you, you, there's no hope for you forever? Obviously. Heaven would heaven would be empty. That's right. So, so those strict warnings are given to us to, to caution us about the dangers of toying with sin, of playing around with it. And, um, uh, and yet there are equally potent promises of forgiveness and pardon for anyone who repents. So, you know, it's, a, it's again, still a hypothetical question. Would anybody who received the mark of the beast ever repent? I don't know. If they did, would it be forgivable? I do know that. The answer is yes, because mm -hmm. Jesus said so. Wow, uh, that really clears that up. Thank you so much. Oh, so, you just heard it yourself again. That person's name, his name is Phil Johnson. Phil Johnson is one of the the producer of Grace to You program at Dr. MacArthur's ministry. Uh, he's one of the voices, mouthpieces for the uh, Grace to You uh, and I'm sure he's got a role at Master's Seminary where John MacArthur has uh, a college, a seminary. But what I want to do real shortly here is this. They take what is said in Revelation. And let me read it to you real quick. They take what is said, is said in Revelation and then they do some really really slick stuff here but you gotta you gotta see it listen to what it says Revelation 14 verse 9 if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or hand he also will drink the wine of the wrath of God which is mixed in full strength in a cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they will have no rest day or night who those who worship the beast and his image and so whoever received the mark of his name now that's scripture ladies and gentlemen is very clear we don't i don't need john MacArthur. i don't need phil i don't need anybody to interpret that for me these men their blood ain't nothing they're not gonna they they didn't die for my sins they they, they don't have any more authority with god than anybody else down here they're a big eye and to me they're not a big eye because they just contradict what the word said this is very very clear stuff here but this is what they do they turn it into a semantic argument and they say well are you saying this is the unforgivable sin this is and then they go back to uh, I think Matthew 12 where it talks about the unforgivable sin and they take away 
the argument from the book of Revelation. And that's what theologians do. See, they, this is what pre-trib people did. You can't take the argument and go back to a gospel narrative and uh, take those concepts and then impose it onto this text. Because this text, this was an angel who shouts this from heaven about the warning about taking the mark of the beast. So now, let's see if we can nail this false doctrine that's going to send people to hell. Why is this so dangerous? Because if pre-trib is wrong, which I prove it is in my book, Revelation Revolution, The Antichrist, Angels, and the Abyss, I prove that the restrainer is not the Holy Spirit of Second Thessalonians, that they base this whole idea that the church has to be taken when the Holy Spirit is taken before the revealing of the Antichrist. They, John Nelson Darby, who brought this over here to the United States in the 1830s to the Americas, he, he just decided it was the Holy Spirit. He didn't have any scriptures for that. And if you get my book, I quote F.F. F. Bruce quoting Darby. But let's look at this. He said that anyone that gets the mark of the beast, if they repent, that they can be forgiven for that. Even though Revelation 14 just said, if you get that mark of the beast, that is a one-way ticket to the lake of fire because that's what's being described there is the lake of fire. Okay, that's that's the that's the verdict after being guilty at the second at the uh, uh, the or or is the second death, which is the verdict that comes at the great white throne judgment that happens a thousand years after the millennium's over. I mean, which happens after the millennium is over. Okay, but let's look at this. Remember what he said. I'm going to read some scriptures to you. Okay. Verse Revelation 13 verse 5 it said there was given him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given him talking about the Antichrist he opened his mouth and blasphemes against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle that is those who dwell in heaven it was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Now listen to this very important right here. Ladies. Everyone whose name has not has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. So let's read this again. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's important. Because the people who get the mark of the beast are those people whose names are not 
written in the Lamb's book of life. Now let's go to Revelation 17. We're going to see this phrase again. Revelation 17, 8. Listen to this. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go into destruction. You see, that's where the Antichrist comes from. The beast comes from. He comes out of the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is a prison for demons. That's where he comes from. But anyway, it says, And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder when they see the beast that he was, is not, and will come. Now listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. The people who get the mark of the beast their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's a problem. You see, while they're taking you back to the unforgivable sin and Jesus' discourse in Matthew 12, which has nothing to do with this text, they didn't take you to the text that they should have taken you to. There is a qualifier. The people that take the mark of the beast are those whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. And this is what happens to those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 11, Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence the earth and the heavens fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great, and the small standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. The sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Ladies and gentlemen, we were talking about Politics of the lie. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the biggest major lies taught by an evangelical scholar 
has to feel Johnson and his boss, Dr. John MacArthur. Did you not just hear him say he believes you could get the mark of the beast and if you repented, you could still go to heaven when the Bible just says everyone who gets the mark of the beast, their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. So the issue is not whether they can repent or not. The issue is how do you get somebody in heaven whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life? How do you get that person whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life not thrown in the lake of fire? When the Bible tells you that everyone that gets that mark, their name is not written. So if you get the mark of the beast, John MacArthur, if you get the mark of the beast, Mr. Field Johnson, if you get the mark of the beast, Miss Doreen Virtue, and your 275,000 subscribers who just listened to one of the biggest lies ever told, How do you get someone in heaven whose name is not written in that book? Has nothing to do with the unforgivable sin. It has the fact to do that if you get the mark of the beast, that means your name is not written in that book. And if your name is not written in that book, that means you will be thrown in the lake of fire. There is no repentance for you. And you're a liar if you tell somebody it is. And the reason why that's so dangerous, ladies and gentlemen, is because pre-trib said we'll all be gone. The church won't be going here to go through that anyway. But what if they're wrong like he is on this point? What if they're wrong like they are on the restrainer? You have to get my book, ladies and gentlemen, Revelation Revolution. Ain't the angels, the Antichrist angels in the abyss. I include the work of the two top scholars of pre-trib. I've got their letters. I've got their, their writings to me in their own handwriting, what they admitted and the foolish things they said to try to cover it up. I've got it in the book. I've got it. You've got to get this book. It is very, very important. All you have to do is email me at phdministries400 at att.net and you can you can zail me the fee for the book they're only $15 a piece plus $5 uh, shipping and handling I will send you autograph the book I will send it to you and my other book you must know the times answers to 25 essential questions on end time prophecy. Listen, it's time for me to go in Jesus' name. And before I do, I want to play one more time my promo so you could hear it and we're going to close out. God bless you and keep you, I'll talk to you again on next year. You must know the times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods.
wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities, global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people, social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You Must Know the Times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the tribulation period, the nation of Israel, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the rapture of the church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Know the Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End Time Prophecy, a powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. The world is spiraling out of control at an alarming pace. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods devastate entire communities. Global pandemics kill hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness threaten our societies. Political instability and the threat of war increase hostilities between nations. The birth pangs of distress are getting more intense each day. The question is, what do all these things mean, and where is this world headed? Unfortunately, at a time when people need answers the most, many do not know about the end times. You Must Know the Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End Time Prophecy, is an eye-opening book that is specifically designed to educate readers on a wide range of subjects concerning the last days. This book will equip you to discern the times, in which we now live. You will learn what the Bible says about the signs of the times, the conflict in the Middle East, the tribulation period, the nation of Israel, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the battle of Armageddon, the rapture of the church, the return of the Lord, and many more essential topics. Discover the powerful message the book of Revelation has for Christians, and the perils that await a rebellious world. The Lord warns, look, I am coming like a thief. The one who is alert and remains clothed, is blessed. Therefore, it is vitally important that you must know the times. Be aware, be informed, and most of all, be prepared for things to come. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times, by Dennis James Woods, at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold.